Park Hopping Podcast number 42. Celebrating 10 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that even a guy in Des Moines, Iowa can have his own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I tried to get caught up with a listener email I've received in a thin effort to post at least one episode this month. And here's one more. Hi, Alan. Uh, my name is Skip. I'm a listener of your Park Hopping Podcast. I was just calling to say I was glad to finally get a new episode. Uh, one of my, uh, it's been one of my favorite podcasts ever since I first started listening to it, and I hope you'll be doing a lot more. I uh, missed it while it's been, I guess you've been on a hiatus. So, uh, anyway, I'm a listener. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I really enjoy the podcast. So, keep them coming. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hey, thanks a lot, Skip. I appreciate you taking time to call the feedback line at 206-2030-227. And for being the very first person to call it, send me an email, podcast at DisneyFans.com, and uh, I'll send you a prize for being the first person to actually leave me an audio comment. And speaking of Baton Rouge, which I believe literally translates into uh, Red Stick, I used to live in East Texas just across the border, so um, have some boudin for me. Trust me, they don't have it here in Des Moines, Iowa, in spite of the French or possibly Cajun-sounding name of the city. But I digress. Now, uh, moving right along, before I get into the show for today, I did want to mention something that's coming up over at Yesterland.com. There's some new sections that are going to be added, and Werner uses some photos that I've contributed over the years, and he gave me the heads up that a few more of my photos are going to be used, so it's always a pleasure when some photo I took uh, of something that's now gone and in Yesterland gets used on the site. So be checking for that. You can get updates on Yesterland by visiting MySage.com. Yesterland is associated with them now, and you'll see updates posted on MySage.com anytime there's a major site change over at Yesterland.com. And if you've never been to Yesterland.com, it's a phenomenal site with a lot of pictures of classic Disneyland attractions that aren't there anymore, and um, some, some really neat stuff there. It's definitely worth exploring. Anyway, welcome back to the Park Hopping Podcast. Uh, the last regular normal episode of this show um, has had over 3,200 downloads so far. So to the four dozen of you who actually listened to the file you downloaded, welcome aboard. Hopefully I'll have time to work on this show in November once all the projects and non-Disney-related podcasts I've been working on have settled down a bit. After doing 39 video casts for the Des Moines Renaissance Fair and a half dozen video casts so far for a local Halloween attraction and about eight TV commercials, it's going to be good to get back to something simple like turning on a microphone, talking and dragging and dropping a few sound files before clicking the upload button. So as you can see, I've been pretty busy lately. During the months leading up to Labor Day, I was getting ready to participate in the new Des Moines Renaissance Fair, a brand new permanent event, first of its kind in Iowa. Now, Festival Park, which is an old English-themed village of shops, stages, and a castle, was built on 20 acres of property near the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines. Now, while it's certainly nowhere near the quality level of something like Disneyland's Fantasyland or that really cool part of Universal's Isle of Adventure, it was still a really neat place to have a festival and certainly better than the little fields with tents we used to have here. The event ran the first three weekends of September, but lousy and wet and cold weather kept most people away. But still, it was fun, and, and we did our pirate comedy show there three times a day and earned some extra money and sold some CDs, so that was good. Now, once the dust started to settle from the Renaissance activity, the Halloween event started up. 
The place that built Festival Park has uh, been called in local newspapers the Walt Disney World of Haunted Attractions in Iowa because they offer a one-price ticket that lets folks go through all their different haunted houses and activities. I guess it's kind of like a park hopper for haunted houses. Anyway, I've been doing video journals for Sleepy Hollow Scream Park and posting them as a podcast on iTunes and as videos on YouTube.com. I've also been doing some lighting and sound effects for them, and I did the computer control system for some of their automated props. It's nothing quite as fancy as an animatronic Mr. Lincoln, but you got to start somewhere. I guess in a way I, I look at the whole thing as a tiny little theme park that I get to help with, and it's a lot of fun. But I digress. The point of this episode is Walt Disney World and some of the changes that have happened in the park since I last visited in November 1999, almost seven years ago. On uh, last Thursday, I was carbon copied at work on an email where someone suggested they send me off to a one-day trade show in Melbourne, Florida, the following Tuesday. I wrote back and explained I was pretty tied up and I just couldn't get away, but after looking up just where Melbourne was, about an hour and a half from Orlando, I figured I could work something out. They told me it would save about $500 to fly me into Orlando instead of Melbourne, and I told them I was happy to save them that money um, and do the extra driving. Sure, give me a rental car, fly me into Orlando, works for me. I then considered taking a few days off, and I was actually going to fly out early Monday morning, landing at like 10 a.m. and returning home late Sunday night. Um, the trade show was on Tuesday, so that would have given me nearly five full days to go play at Walt Disney World if I wanted. But various things kept me from doing this, and I ended up just flying out on Monday with a return flight on Wednesday morning. Now, I was so busy over the weekend that I really didn't have much time to plan how or if I'd even get to Disney. I mean, I looked up ticket prices, and I realized it was going to cost me $67 to get in, plus $10 to park. Considering that I probably wouldn't be able to get to the parks until 1 or 2 p.m. that day, and considering the Magic Kingdom closed at 7 p.m. because they were doing their Halloween event at night, it really didn't seem like a good value for the dollar. I was actually uh, thinking of doing it anyway, just so I could put out a podcast about my $80 five-hour visit to the Magic Kingdom. So I'm pretty sure that uh, Disney is no longer a good value for a one- or a two-day visitor, maybe not even for a three- or a four-day it seems like just a few years ago, the big news was SeaWorld in Orlando had finally broken the $50 mark for a single-day ticket. They were the first park to break that magical $50 barrier. So, uh, wow, those were the days when $50 would shock us. Well, anyway, after hastily printing out a few MapQuest maps and, and packing late Sunday night, um, I was heading to the, to the uh, airport to get to Orlando around uh, 6 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, the flight landed around noon and I was unhappy to find out that the car rental company was off-site. Uh, now, the shuttle bus was there and waiting, and the bus ride only added a few minutes, but I kind of missed the days when all the rental counters were actually at the airport. And for those of you who haven't followed me in this podcast, um, I used to do a ton of travel for work, and I'd be in Orlando several times a year. I used to make multiple visits to Disneyland and, and Disney World this way, spending my evenings after work at the park. But my last trip in 1999 was actually tied on to a week-long work trip to Boca Raton, Florida, uh, though I took a week off after that trip to spend some real vacation time with uh, my girlfriend at the time down at Disney. So it's been a while since I was there. Anyway, eventually I, I had my car, which turned out to be some SUV thing that I was going to try to trade for something else. But by that time, there was a line at the rental counter, so I decided to give it a shot and head to Disney and make the best of it. I'm used to driving a Toyota Prius, so getting in this big monster truck was um, was a little different. 
Now, after several missed exits at the airport, causing me to loop through the airport several times, I finally was on my way and, and drove up to Disney property, getting there around uh, 2 o'clock. My goal was simply to catch as many of the attractions that have been added or changed since I last visited in 99. Now, Disney MGM Studios had a new stunt show, Animal Kingdom has the Everest coaster, and Epcot had Mission Space, the redone Imagination, and uh, the new Finding Nemo rides. But I, I headed to the Magic Kingdom since it's my favorite of the four parks at Disney World, and a trip without seeing the castle just wouldn't have made sense. So before I go much further, let me say that I, I don't find reading or listening to trip reports very interesting. Nothing personal, but I really don't care what time you go there or what ride you rode or what you had on your hamburger, you know. But with that said, the next few episodes of the Park Hopping Podcast are probably going to be very trip report-ish because I'm going to be summarizing and reviewing all the new things I got to see during this really quick visit. I'll split this up into short episodes so you can easily skip any subject that doesn't sound interesting to you. I, I think that's fair enough. Okay, anyway, so I drove to the Magic Kingdom and I paid $10 to park, although I hear Disneyland has just gone up to $11. And I didn't get to park where I normally park, which is the closest non-medical parking lot available to guests. It's a little kind of a thing that I, I do each time. And then I actually walk over to the... um the transportation center rather than taking a tram. Well, that lot was full, so for the first time in ages, I actually had to ride the parking lot tram to the transportation and ticket center. And I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised because uh, I was really expecting everything to be packed when work was going to put me in an Orlando hotel near the airport for Tuesday night. They quoted me some place that was $165. And I, I suggested they could save some money by putting me in a Disney value resort on property. And, and they tried, but all three all-star resorts and the Pop Century resorts were booked, and they checked the moderate resorts, but there was nothing available in this price range we were going to pay. So the fact that Disney's uh, reservation system was down for upgrades or something didn't make this any easier. I guess my point is I expected the park to be really busy and packed if none of the hotels even had rooms available. And those were the expensive Disney hotels. So I went up to buy a ticket and didn't have to stand in any lines that was neat. And I noticed they had this uh, kind of a computer kiosk system where you could actually go buy tickets now, which seemed like a great idea, but I didn't go over to really check it out. Um, when I got to the window, I, I was trying to decide if I was just going to do a one-day ticket without being able to park hop over to Epcot after the Magic Kingdom closed at 7, with Epcot staying open until 9. Thanks to Disney's ridiculously overpriced tickets, I, I ended up just buying an annual pass. At least then I could park hop, not pay for parking, and it would kind of force me to come back for a proper visit within the next uh, year. It was $465. Unbelievable. I think I'm starting to remember why I stopped going to Disney World and have spent so many vacations in the past seven years at Disneyland. Anyway, a thing about these Disney ticket prices, obviously there's so many more things to consider in Florida with all the different theme parks and water parks and nightclubs and stuff like that than at Disneyland. And I guess I hadn't really done any research since I hadn't been there in so long. Well, today a base one-day ticket is $67. It's one park, one day. If you want to be able to park hop between parks, um, the one-day ticket jumps to $112. They uh, basically add $45 to any ticket to turn it into a park hopper. So a base two-day ticket is $132.00. Then a three-day ticket is $192. So at three days, you're paying $64 a day. Uh, buying a three-day pass only saves you three bucks a day, which is hardly worth it since $3 barely buys you an ice cream bar once you're inside. 
But at four days, the price goes to $202, which gets you about $50 a day. So it seems Disney really wants people to spend one day at each of their four theme parks. And beyond this, things just get silly. It's $202 for four days, $206 for five days. It's just $4 more. And then from then on out, it's just $2 more each additional day. $208 for six days, $210 for seven days, $212 for eight days, and so on. So uh, a 10-day pass is 216 bucks. Now, I thought about just buying a 10-day pass and adding the no expiration date option so I could use them at any point in the future. Well, no expiration on the 10-day pass made it jump to $216, uh, or sorry, jump from $216 to $371. That's $155 bucks more so the, the tickets don't expire. And since I'd want to be able to park hop as well, adding that brought the total to $409. So with $10 parking per day for the 10 days the pass would have been good for, that would have been a $509 ticket for 10 days with parking. And I, I'm sure parking would be even higher down the line. I can't imagine anybody that goes to Disney and is planning on using a 10-day pass within a year we would ever even consider anything but an annual pass unless they just didn't know and there were signs everywhere promoting it and i kept hearing ads on the radio for the uh, the local version of it for florida residents that was kind of interesting so disney's scheme must have actually really worked because i as i mentioned i ended up buying an annual pass for four hundred and sixty five dollars because it was it was just a cheaper way to go and i guess if you plan to use at least ten days within a one-year period um, you're saving a hundred bucks right there and I'm pretty sure it used to be a lot harder to justify an annual pass, but, I mean, if you're just going to go a couple of days at a time, if you're going to make, like, four trips for a few days each time, um, you know, if you're not buying a big multi-day pass or an annual pass, you're just, you're just hemorrhaging money. It's ridiculous. So my uh, ticket advice is pretty simple. If you definitely think you'll be coming back to Disney World at some point in the future, but not within a year, just buy the largest ticket you can justify and uh, add no expiration. Even if you return seven years later like I did, you'd still be able to use those tickets. And since the ticket prices are going to continue to increase, most likely, that's going to save you a lot of money. Just just make sure to stash your tickets in some place safe, like a safety deposit box at your bank. It'd be terrible to lose an annual pass, although I think you can just pay a fee and have them reissued. Now, if you think you'll come back within a year, then the annual pass is instantly cheaper if you're going to spend at least about nine days total. The price of an annual pass is about the same as an eight-day ticket with no expiration and park hopping added. It's, it's easy to stagger these annual pass expiration dates, too. Like, I'd visit in late May, getting a pass for that trip, then I'd return the next year in earlier May, like, you know, right before the pass expires, and I'd use the pass again. Now, if you did something like that with just one trip each year, you could renew your pass every other year and save a ton of money. To this day, I still do the same thing with my Disneyland pass. And um, when you visit a late summer, maybe in December for Christmas time, and then early summer the following year, you can get three visits on the same pass. So it gets really, really cheap. Sadly, I, I let my Disneyland pass expire this past July, so I didn't get to use it that one last time. But um, thanks to owning a Disney World pass, it looks like I'll just uh, be more inclined to return to Florida instead of California for the next couple of visits. Uh, but I digress again. To sum things up for this introductory episode, I was able to spend about five hours at the Magic Kingdom on Monday, then I hopped over to Epcot to spend an hour or so there before they closed for the night. On Tuesday night, after driving back to Orlando, after working in Melbourne, I was able to get another hour or so at the parks. I got there around 5 o'clock, you know, before they were closing. 
And then I spent $45 on a ticket to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party just so I could have a few more hours in the park. It went from 7 to midnight. And uh, it was just a very, very expensive visit. Certainly the most expensive visit per hour that I've ever made to any theme park or probably anything I've ever done anywhere. So in the in the next few episodes, money whining aside, I'll be talking about various new things in the park and things that have been there for years, but they were new to me, including Epcot's journey into imagination with Figment. I saw the original version of Imagination when Epcot opened the first year, and of course many times after that. I got to see the short-lived redo called Journey into Your Imagination during the first year it opened, and now finally I get to see this third incarnation that brings back that little purple dragon thing, so I'll try to talk a little bit about the the uh, three versions over time and, and how Epcot has changed um, also, I got to ride Mission Space, though I only did the non-spinning version of it, but I was still very surprised with what I ended up thinking about it. And at Epcot, I also got to ride the brand new Seas with Nemo and Friends, or as I like to call it, If You Had Fins. I should probably also remember to comment on some of the minor updates and changes to things like Spaceship Earth and a few other things like the Coca-Cola place with all those free samples. Um, at the Magic Kingdom, I finally got to see Stitch's Great Escape, which I went in expecting to hate after hearing so many other podcasters just bash this attraction. Also, Mickey's Magic was on my to-do list, and I watched it a few times, which may give you an idea of what I thought about it. And last at the Kingdom was the new version of Pirates of the Caribbean, featuring Captain Jack Sparrow and other enhancements. So I plan to spin off a short episode on each of these attractions with my comments, and uh, during such a short visit, I also managed to still hit pretty much everything I normally would have wanted to see. I rode Pirates in the Mansion twice each, and Buzz Lightyear, Winnie the Pooh, Snow White, Peter Pan, The Jungle Cruise, Tomorrowland Transit Authority, Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, Splash Mountain, as well as catching Stitch and Magic multiple times. And, and at Epcot, I, you know, I did Test Track, Spaceship Earth, Imagination, Mission Space, The Seas... I'm still surprised I was able to do so much in just a few hours, especially considering I went into this thinking I'd be lucky just to hit a few things I wanted to see. So that's what I have planned, so feel free to listen to the next few short episodes or skip them entirely until I get back to posting some more normal shows, uh, hopefully in November. So the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again or just changed into something else. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse over 35,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, including, um, uh, not a lot, but about... 800 or so from uh, this week at Walt Disney World. Also, there's dozens and dozens of downloadable video files from the various Disney parks here in the States. And if you want to drop me a note, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com, or you can leave voicemail at 206-203227. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 42, Return to Walt Disney World. Thanks for listening. Another crappy podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting <sighs> podcasts. This podcast is a member of the Disney Podcast Network, along with Beyond Main Street Video Podcasts with your hosts, Lou and Bob. The place to see all things Disney at beyondmainstreet.com. Bringing Disneyland Home, a video podcast for all Disneyland fans, can be found at oakfan.com. 
MiceCast. Opinionated. Provocative. PG-13. Disney Podcast. At www.micecast.com. The Park Hopping Podcast. Audio ride-throughs and babbling. Lots of babbling. At anothercrappypodcast.com. Zippity-doo-pod. An interactive discussion of the ins and outs of Disney fandom. You can find us on iTunes or on the web at aaronspod.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-S-P-O-D dot com.